Ever since folks could remember, Stroker Ace hated only one thing. Second place. Now, he's the best there is. Uh, ain't out a little bit further away, I'm gonna make a turn. And if you don't know why, Just ask him. It's part of the wonderfulness of me. <laughs> He's a sporting man. You either crash or win. <laughs> and I like that. A ladies' man. And of course, it's my job to travel with you to make sure everything is properly arranged. Just gonna get into something comfortable. A man's man. Why don't you drive a Clyde Torco? Chicken pit special and the fastest chicken in the South. <laughs> you think it's easy driving with chicken feet? I've done some dumb things in my life, but this is the dumbest. I want you. You do? Yes. <laughs> I think it's important that you be here for this. I'll just do that and just put that right off of there. And you'll be able to... Burt Reynolds is Stroker Ace. And it's going to take Ned Beatty, Jim Neighbors, Parker Stevenson, Bubba Smith, and Lonnie Anderson to put him in his place. How's this for Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. I am your host, Scott White, and I am joined once again by Mr. Sean Penalber. What's up, everybody? Now, once again, Sean, we were supposed to do this yesterday, and Sean called and canceled. Yeah, I did. And I think he's trying to gain dominance over <laughs> me because I looked it up, and there is, uh, it's, I don't know what it's called, but there when a person constantly cancels and reschedules that's their way of asserting their dominance over the other person no so okay so there's an actual this is an actual thing and i can't remember the name of it i believe it but personally for me yesterday i was coming back from cyprus and i just wasn't making it in time because of traffic so i was like hey let's do it in the evening and then in the evening i was like hey you know what it would probably be better if we just did it right now today because then we could both be together we're in person this is actually the first actually the first time sean and i have done a podcast together on my podcast yeah i did his podcasts and we did it in person then face to face we're here and we're talking about the movie stroker ace stroker ace i gave sean i said we can do one bad burt reynolds movie and one good burt reynolds movie and he chose both yes and we're doing stroker ace first I'm not going to tell you whether I think this was the good one or the bad one. I'll let Sean figure this out. <laughs> this was this movie is a critical movie in Burt Reynolds' life. This was the turning point movie in his life, and not for good. Yeah, that's what I was reading. He did this movie instead of Terms of Endearment, and the role he was going to play the astronaut in Terms of Endearment. That role went to Jack Nicholson, and he won an Oscar for that. This is also the movie where he met Lonnie Anderson, and if you read about it, 
that did not work out well for Burt Reynolds either. He ended up marrying Lonnie Anderson. It came out later that she was sort of using him for a celebrity. Even though she was famous, he was more famous. And from his point of view, I've not read her point of view, but from his point of view, it was not, it did not end the best. So this movie really crashed his personal and professional life. That sucks. It does. Lonnie Anderson was uh, Pembroke Feeney? Yes. Okay. Wow. Best known for Jennifer on WKRP in Cincinnati. That's what I was reading. All right. Well, so was this the good movie or the bad movie? Okay. So uh, compared to Sharky's Machine, uh, which was... Which will come out after this. Yeah. We're doing a little bit behind the curtain. We're doing both podcasts back to back. We're doing Stroke Race first. So hang on to your hats. Uh, Sharky's Machine is coming. Uh, I think I'm going to have a little bit of a controversial opinion here. <laughs> I actually liked... Uh, so, like, I can't say I liked this movie, uh, but it did grab my attention more than Sharky's Machine did. In uh, the fact that, like, in, in, in the way that this movie, uh, the character, uh, Stroker, is just such a... As, like an asshole shithead, you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. a ladies' man thinking with his dick all the time. That like I couldn't look away because I just wanted to see what would happen next. This movie, no pun intended, is like a car wreck. Yes. Oh my gosh. And yeah. this movie is is a stock car racing movie. Stroke race. It races stock cars. It stars Burt Reynolds. And Burt Reynolds is known for having his crew of actors. It stars Burt Reynolds, Ned Beatty, Jim Neighbors. Lonnie Anderson and Parker Stevenson, and uh, it really felt in in the one of the first notes I write is like uh, we very quickly learned that Stroker is a bad boy. You know, like I mean, he's carrying his friend's broken bike. He tried to jump this thing, and the song that starts with the Charlie's Daniel Band, uh, it's basically Smokey and the Bandit Jr. Yeah, Burt Reynolds. Stroker Ace is supposed to be the protagonist, but like you said, he's sort of a a dick in this movie. Yeah. So the movie starts off, Stroker Ace, Burt Reynolds, he's a pain in the ass to work with. You have to have a sponsor to race. And it's the first race of the year, and he has a sponsor. And he he keeps acting so bad that either he leaves the sponsors or sponsors leaves him. He leaves the sponsor by pouring cement, cement in the back. into the car. Into he the like car. tries to kill the guy. Yeah. Like this is one of those movies where there are so many scenes where Burt Reynolds should be arrested. Yeah. Absolutely. And and have a jail time for assault, for battery, destruction of property, all that. And I think that's why like I just couldn't stop watching. Like that's why it caught my attention cuz it was just like what is this dude gonna do next? Um, it re- really the movie starts with he's a little kid with his friend, and uh, they're like carrying the broken bike. It's his friend's bike. He broke the bike trying to jump over a gully. The dad picks him up. He's a moonshine runner, and uh, the cops are trying to get him. And so uh, you you hear the dad being like, "Aren't you the kid who tipped over the outhouse with the teacher in it?" And he's like, yep. And so we're quickly learning that, like, Stroker is, like, a little bad boy. And then the cops are chasing them in the moonshine. And Stroker, this kid, keeps checking himself out in the rearview mirror 
as this moonshine runner is trying to escape the cops. And so immediately then you know who this character is. He's just a vain little kid. No, there's no... There's no dimension to his character. He's he's a vain race car driver who loves women. Yeah, that's it. And that's, that's it. That's it. We there's hardly there's some growth, not really. <laughs> uh, it, it, only for the story. Only for the story. Yeah. This whole movie is Stroker Ace trying to get out of his contract. Yeah. He gets fired by his one sponsor, and Ned Beatty. He plays Clyde Torkel, the Chicken Pit King. He owns a string of Restaurants called the Chicken Pit, and he has known, I guess he's known around the stock car as sort of a sleazy businessman. Not doing anything illegal, but if it'll make money, he'll do it. Yeah. It may be tasteless, and it may be maybe morally questionable, but if it makes money, he'll do it. Because he's got the money. Because he's got the money. And his chauffeur is Bubba Smith, ex-NFL player and Police Academy alum Bubba Smith. Only black guy in the film. Oh, well, it is a race car. It is a race car movie. <laughs> he's one of the best characters, though, I would say. He's a, he's a good character. He, he was one of those that, that made the transition from sports to acting, and he, he's just a natural. I thought he looked familiar. Police Academy, okay. Hightower. Hightower from Police Academy. So he ends up signing with Ned Beatty because he needs a sponsor. Yeah. And he doesn't read the contract. Uh, and there were some, like, kind of funny... Moments in lines, and that one was one where, like, he gets the giant contract, and he's, like, he's flipping through, and he's like, there's no words on these pages, and he's like, it's upside down. That was, okay, I had to laugh at that. Uh, but, yeah, he doesn't read the contract at all, and so he gets into all these, like, gimmicks where he has to do all these marketing ads and stuff. So here's the thing. All of the trouble Stroker gets in in this movie is his own fault. Yeah. He didn't read the contract. The contract said he has to dress like a chicken and do a commercial. All of the stuff could have been avoided if he wasn't such an arrogant SOB. So you don't really feel sorry for Stroker yeah. because none of it, it, he's not forced to do it. Oh, okay, he's got to work for Clyde Torkel because Clyde Torkel owns the mortgage on his dad's house. That's why he's got to work with him. Now, now, now you, want, you want to see him try to get out of that. But that's not it. He's just in it because... If he, if he leaves, he can't race for like three years. And he still has to do the contract. Yes. Um, yeah, he has to be fired. That's the key. Yeah. He can't quit. He has to be fired. And the contract is for three years. So he signed with Clyde Torkel for three years. So he stuck with him for three years. And his first... His first act of defiance is so ridiculous that it all like so it's it's him dressed in the chicken suit, sitting on a giant egg as they roll into one of the races. One of the races, yeah. And like everyone's everyone in the crowd is like laughing at him and stuff, but like how is that an act of defiance? Like that's something that looks like it would already be a marketing thing. He was trying to shame Ned Beatty. Yeah, but it didn't work. It backfires. People like that have no shame. One thing, I, I always see this on the internet. It's usually political stuff, but it's like, so-and-so gets, uh, gets owned, and so-and-so got shamed. Well, no, they didn't, because to be shamed, you have to accept shame, and most of these mm -hmm. people do not accept shame. Yeah, and you're just getting the fame at that point and the influence. You're just... People are just clicking on that person yeah. because, oh, he, you know, and you look at it, and no, he didn't get owned or she didn't get owned because she doesn't, 
she doesn't or he doesn't accept the fact that they've been shamed. Yeah. You got owned. You Yes. Well, maybe you didn't get owned, but <laughs> it's like you're pointing out that this the hypocrisy or the stupidity or something, but the other person, if the other person doesn't accept it, it it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. And that's what happened here. It didn't go anywhere. In fact, Ned Beatty played it back on Stroker, and he said, I love the idea. And then he tells Bubba Smith, he's like, you think a smart ass like that's going to try to trick me? You know, I just you you just trick him right back. Yeah. Ned Beatty is a sly businessman. He knows he's not a pushover like I think all these other sponsors may have been. He knows how it works. He knows how to manipulate people. He knows how to get what he wants. Because, again, he's got the money. He's got the money. Now, there is... <clears throat> Usually in these podcasts, we go through the plot, but there really is no plot to this movie. This movie is just seen, it, they go from race to race to race, and they just go from plot to plot to plot to get out of the contract. And it shows what Stroker has to go through in this contract. So there's no there's no real meat of this movie to talk about. Yeah, except the little bits. And the moments. little bits is what we have to focus on. But there is a subplot. We forgot the subplot between him and Parker Stevenson. Yeah. Aubrey James. Parker oh, yeah, Stevenson yeah, yeah, plays yeah. Aubrey James. And and Stroker is the cock of the walk. Everybody wants to be Stroker. So Aubrey James is another uh, uh, race car driver. And he's going to take Stroker down this year. So we have this subplot of Aubrey James trying to outrace Stroker. And Aubrey James is sort of a, a dirty racer. Mm-hmm. He'll bump people in the walls, and he'll bump their back bumper. He'll do anything to win as well. So we see Stroker between these two people who will do anything to win. And then it, that, that's it? <laughs> well, yeah. And then, so we're going to talk. One of the many scenes which Jim Neighbors is in this movie, and Jim Neighbors plays the mechanic, and he's a very likable character. Yeah, Lugs. Lugs. I, and I think... He te- they teamed him with Burt Reynolds because he is he is a really nice guy and Burt Reynolds' character is kind of abrasive in this movie. But there's a scene where the actress who plays Elvira. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cassandra Peterson. I'm not sure of her name. But the actress who plays Elvira is hitting on Jim Neighbors. This is it's a, so Jim Neighbors was openly gay. And Elvira, I don't know if she was openly gay then, but she's recently come out as oh, really? gay. Yes. Wow. Yes. She's had a she's had a longtime girlfriend. So we have these we have these two gay icons where one is hitting on the other. I, at the time, I don't know how, what people knew about Jim Neighbors or not. I think at the time, I think people knew that he was gay, but nobody said that he was gay. Just having these two openly gay icons. In a scene where one is hitting on the other, looking at it now through 2020 eyes, it's just like, oh wow, that's that's weird. That's funny. <laughs> I'll see you later. Huh? Hey. Well, hello. Hey. How are you, ma'am? I don't know. How am I? Well, I'm not one of the drivers. I'm just a mechanic. I like mechanics. You do? They know how to tinker with things for hours. Make them go fast. And it was one of the funnier parts of the movie. Because uh, what she says is, uh, 
I like mechanics. They know how to tinker with things for hours, make them go fast. And he's just like, boo. And it's so funny. Jim Neighbors, who's gay, they have to give this shot of him just gazing at, yeah. look at them boobs. That scene was funny, and then it's funny in retrospective, knowing the lifestyle of both the actors. There's one really despicable scene in this movie. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, when she falls asleep? Well, well, there's a couple. Yeah, that's the one. But So it's set up that Lonnie Anderson is Ned Beatty's personal assistant. And by the way, I don't know whose hair looked faker, Burt Reynolds or Lonnie Anderson's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because Lonnie Anderson's hair it looked like just like a wax bouffant. bouffant. There's a couple scenes where she's wearing pigtails. It looked better then, but that was the that was the fakest looking hair on a woman I've seen in quite some time. And I think that's her real hair. That was kind of style back then. Yeah. Early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. She's portrayed as she is a very wholesome woman. She's a virgin. We find out that she's a virgin. We find out that she's a Sunday school teacher. We find out she doesn't drink. She's a woman of God. She's a woman of God. And that's great. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. Throughout the movie, Stroker Ace tries to undermine that. Yeah. Because there's one scene where they're drinking, and she goes, I don't drink. And he's like, oh, I know that. This is non-alcoholic champagne. It's real champagne. But he tells her it's non-alcoholic champagne. Scumbag move. Scumbag move. For one, you don't know why she's not drinking. Yeah. Maybe she's an ex-alcoholic. Yeah, right? Maybe, and maybe this will put her back on the wagon scumbag move to do and it's and it's played off as laughs and i know early eight late 70s early 80s this was the 80s anything went in movies at the 80s Mm -hmm. but looking back at it it's a really really scumbag move to do and at that point jim neighbors comes in and interrupts them so later in the movie they're together again and apparently he used the same line on her because now she's drunk Mm mm-hmm and it doesn't take her long to get drunk because she's not a drinker and she doesn't think she's drinking alcohol. She says that she wants him. And, it, and at that point, it should have stopped because she's drunk. And even if he doesn't force, her, force himself on her, the fact that she's drunk just makes it weird. Non-consensual. Non-consensual. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. She may say yes, but she... You're because drunk. You're, you're inebriated. Because we find out the next morning that she doesn't remember anything. Yeah. So even if she says yes in a drunken state, it's wrong. She goes into the other room and she passes out on the bed. This scene is supposed to make Burt Reynolds look like a good guy. <laughs> it is. It's supposed to. It's supposed to be comically. Yeah. It's, it's comically, such a thing of the times. It is such a thing of the time. It's comically supposed to make him look like a good guy. And she's passed out on the bed. He's like, well, he's like, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, we're supposed yeah, to. First do of all, it. he's we're trying to, to revive her. It's come like, on, yeah, come well, on. He's a guy that can fuck anybody. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think this is the turning point in his character too where he's going to become a one woman man but at this point he, he's, he's taken women from other drivers at the beginning of the movie we see him talk to like three women in a row and they're all like no you already fucked me yeah. oh uh, you already fucked me oh you already f-. and so he's just literally he's just literally one. going down the line yeah. anyway I'm, I'm getting I'm off on a tangent here but Lonnie Anderson is passed out on the bed, and he tries to revive her, and he's like, well, I can't have sex with her, but you know what? I hear clothes are restrictive. 
So he undoes her yeah, top. Yeah, you, you shouldn't sleep in your clothes. You shouldn't sleep in your clothes. I hear, I hear it cuts off oxygen to the skin. This is, he's talking to himself. He's talking to her, but she's passed out, so he's really talking to himself. Which is, thank God for that, because if it was just silent, it would just be him undressing a passed out woman. <laughs> it would be so much more It would awkward. be so much more worse. So much more worse? So much worse. <laughs> so much more worse. And he takes off her... He basically gets her down to her bra and panties, mm-hmm. and then he's and then he says, and then he, yeah, he leaves the screen. He walks off screen. It, it's a it's it's a series of vignettes where he walks off screen and then he pops his head back on. He's like, well, maybe I should take off your bottom part too, just so that you're air cooled. And then and then he's like, maybe I should take off your brazier. And then we have some uh, uh, fourth wall breaking. He's like, I could just ravage you and nobody know the difference. And then he looks at the camera and just goes, scene cut. Scene cut. Next morning, she doesn't remember anything. And she's like, did we do it? And he's like, no. Okay, we didn't do it. How come I woke up in my bra and panties then? That's not covered. Yeah. No, I mean, like, and so if you're going in the line that he's continuing in and they cut that scene, he could have done anything. He could have done anything. We just didn't see it as an audience. It's played off. Yeah, he could have lied to her, but it's played off like, okay, I'm a good guy. I'm not going to sexually assault this unconscious woman. And I I bet back in the days... I when bet that, that came out, people were laughing in the theaters. I'm sure they were. I I'm sure how, I was. I wonder how women felt about that at the time. Like, I bet there was even some women who, like, would laugh at it at the time. But now, ooh. Uh, that scene would never fly today. Yeah. But uh, at this point, Burt Reynolds was still a sex symbol. And I'm sure women were like, boy, I wish that was me on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, that's, the, that's what's crazy about it. Oh, and this was the time. Burt Reynolds was a sex symbol. But this was back when you didn't have to ha- you didn't have to be Brad Pitt and have a 12 pack. It's like Burt Reynolds was a good-looking man, but he's not ripped. Yeah. He's not six pack and and bulging muscles. He's he, he's a proportionate man, but for, but he, he has a sex appeal. Uh, then the next morning after that, we didn't do anything. And then Lugs comes in and Pembroke Cre- Feeney is crying, but she's crying tears of joy like, "Oh my god." The guy I'm working for didn't rate me. I'm so happy. Lug mistakes it like, oh, he did take advantage of. And what's that say about what Lug thinks of Stroker? Stroker, Yeah. That his best friend thinks he did it again. He sexually assaulted another woman. It's along the lines of, okay, these promiscuous women, uh, you can have sex with them. That's fine. But a wholesome woman, yeah, you really shouldn't have sex with them. You hurt Miss Feeney. You hurt Miss Feeney. And he lays them out flat. He lays them out flat. So that was just, it was just totally, totally awkward. But I, re- I mean, I really enjoyed Jim Neighbors in this movie. I did too. And the scene I enjoyed the most is they're on their way to open a chicken pit, and Jim Neighbors is singing, and you could tell this was. There's a lot of scenes where you can tell everybody's just having fun. Everybody's friends. Everybody's having fun. And if you know who Jim Neighbors is, he has a odd, his mouth does an odd thing when he sings. It like goes to the side of his face. So he's singing, and Burt Reynolds is like, "Yeah, he's got a nice voice, but his mouth." That saved a wretch like me. <laughs> I once 
was lost. Will you stop? Stop! He has a beautiful voice. He has a beautiful voice, yes, but I mean, the mouth doesn't work right. I mean, look at the lips. They're not under the nose when he sings. They're, they're over here on the side of his face. They are not. They are too. They are not. They are too. Can I ask you a question? Okay, you can ask me anything. Are you sure you've never slept with anybody? I mean, maybe there was somebody you forgot. Stroke her ice. I'd be ashamed. How could you ask her something like that? Good Lord. I'm sorry. Just nervous, you know. I'm going to make this personal appearance. I'm going to be over a thousand people there. I have to sign autographs and everything. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead and sing. Watch his mouth. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. So Jim Neighbors had enough sense of humor about himself. Ah, we're gonna make a jokes about it. Yeah, yeah, make jokes about way my mouth, and he goes along with it. It was little little moments like that. Was it was a wholesome scene. It was a wholesome scene. Anytime that Jim Neighbors is in there, it's a wholesome. It's a wholesome scene. scene. I agree. Uh, I one of my and this goes back to the beginning. Uh, I thought it was kind of. Uh, a risky stunt move and dangerous, but again, it, it highlights who Stroker is when they when he's driving into the race late, and Lugs is hanging onto the door to balance out the three wheeled car. Right. So a, car, a wheel's missing from the car. Yeah. We don't understand why, but it's just he's there's a car there's a wheel missing. So Lugs is counterbalancing the car. I thought that was fun, but he drives in. He could have easily killed so many people, dozens yeah. of people. Yeah. Could have easily killed dozens of people during this. He's not even, like, honking the horn or anything. He's just no. driving through this crowd of people trying to get to the race on time. It's all about Stroker. It's all about Stroker. This movie is all about Stroker. About how I get out, how good I am, how much of a ladies' man I am, what I need to do to get out of my contract. And we're supposed to feel like he, he has to do a commercial where he's dressed up as a chicken. You're, I just don't feel sorry for him. Yeah. Where we're supposed to. And then for some reason he gets in the car... And races as a chicken. He does a full lap, and then he comes into the thing, and he's like, they're like, why are you doing so bad? And he's like, oh, because I'm driving with chicken feet. Well, so, yeah, he's he's in chicken gear from head to toe. He's driving 155 miles an hour. You cut inside the car, and there's chicken feathers flying up in his... Yeah. How... How dangerous is that? It's like, I can't see. You're driving 155 miles an hour, and you can't see? Also, the superstitious thing grossed me out of him keeping his gum on the car door. Oh, yeah. And then he gets in a crash. <laughs> and then, like, he takes it out and puts it back in his mouth, and the strings are like... And it's, the, it's gross because... At the beginning of every rage, Lugs goes gum, and he spits the gum in Lugs's. He doesn't even put the gum yeah, on the car himself. himself. Yeah, he spits the gum in Lugs' hands, and Lugs puts. So when he puts it, it's like, ugh. 
and I don't superstition. I know a lot of athletes have superstition. I'm not going to get into that, but I don't know. What other notes you got there? The fastest chicken in the South is what it is. Fastest becomes. chicken in the South. So that's something that he has to put on his car. Fastest chicken in the South. And everybody makes fun of him. It's, that's not a horrible thing to have on your car. No, it, people all. have that old Mitch Hedberg joke. You know, you've got Tide on the side of your car. It's the chicken. It's the fastest chicken in the South. Yeah, it's his ego being like, I'm not a chicken. Yes, everybody starts clucking at him. We talk about scenes where he should go to jail. We, there's a hotel where there's a lot of NASCAR drivers of the time. I'm not a NASCAR person. I mean, I recognized uh, uh, Richard Petty. There was a couple names that I recognized, but for the most part, I didn't know who these people were. And they do not, they do not represent the NASCAR audience very well in this movie because whenever you see pictures of the stands it's just these fat rednecks confederate flags confederate flags yeah there's even a guy at one point that just fingers his butthole like right right in front of the camera yeah not (laughs) not the best representation of nascar fans in this but there's a lot of stock footage of wipeouts of crashes and Mm -hmm. the stock footage just stands out like a sore thumb yeah it does not match because the the stock footage is just grainy and and out of focus it just it tell it i mean if you were in the movie it totally takes it's like okay that that didn't happen that's not happening right now because that is grainy footage from the 1970s which would have had to been since this is the early 80s yeah Uh, but what was i saying before that (laughs) i forget what i was saying oh yeah me too Oh, man. Oh, the fans. No, no. Oh, uh, going to jail. Oh, yes, yes, yes. There's, they're in the hotel, and Parker Stevenson, Aubrey James, and another rider, they're on, not gurneys, but like waiter cer- carts. Waiter carts. And they're being pushed around the hotel, and there's a scene where Stroker Ace comes up behind Aubrey James, pushes him down the hall, pushes him through a plate glass window, into the pool. Yeah. And I know it's supposed to be, that's eh, boys, boy, but that's, yeah. it's like, okay, first of all, you could have lacerated the shit yeah. out of him. You could have seriously hurt that dude. Yeah. And then what if that cart lands, because there's people in the pool. So yeah. that cart comes out and hits somebody in the head and they, and I know I'm overthinking uh, 80s comedy, you know, an early <laughs> 80s slapstick, but it's just all this put together. It's just, and I'm not, I'm not woke. I swear to God, I'm not woke. Uh, but it's it's just ridiculous. It's how reckless. It's reckless, and it's just ridiculous. But it also shows you this people ha- think they're entitled to everything. Yes. And there's a yeah. lot of that going on nowadays, where it's like, I'm above the law. I can do what I want. And it, it's totally shown out through this movie. You're telling me at the beginning of the movie, when that when his ex-sponsor, when he put a... Started to fill up his car with cement, he's not going to file charges. Right? You're telling me he's not going to fire uh, destruct, uh, attempted murder. Because he's got the money for it. He he's... totally could have. <laughs> but no, we never hear from him again. We never hear from him again. Uh, and so after all of these things and everything, uh, he gets back in touch with his old good friend, Doc, Doc. From the beginning of the movie that we see them as young boys and the dad. And Doc has a plan to hopefully get him out of the contract. Doc is played by John Biner, who was a famous impressionist from the 70s. Oh, really? Yes. He's mainly known as being a comedian and being an impressionist. Well, his impression on this movie was great. Yes. (laughs) He actually does a Johnny Mathis impression. 
Oh, really? Chances are. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they even dance to the song later. Okay, so let me ask you this, and maybe you looked this up. Yeah, so Doc and his dad run into Stroker Ace, and there's a scene where Stroker Ace, Burt Reynolds, is in this little race car, and he's at a fair. And if you hit, you get three balls, and you hit the target, the, the car flips over, and Burt Reynolds flips over. If you look closely enough, there is a scene where his toupee, it looks like his toupee is coming off. Oh, really? Yeah, because he keeps going upside down yeah. and back up. There is a scene, I swear to God, there, if, if you know this movie, there is a scene where it looks like his toupee is about to flip off. I guess they couldn't edit around it, but, that, but it, it, it's blatantly obvious. I was just so focused on that concept. And rather than a dunking booth, this car that just flips you upside down. Yeah. Like, they don't have those anymore. So Doc is played by John Biner, who was an actual actor and comedian. And, but he's there with his father. Did, I, don't, I, I should have looked this up. But it, I don't think his father was an actor. I think his father was like a regular person because he couldn't act. Well, I think, I think that falls into he's a moonshine runner, and so he's supposed to be this like drunkard who's just always wasted on moonshine. Maybe. It just, I, 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 oh, damn it. I should have looked it up. I think that just like that was just somebody that Bert knew that he put in his movie, but he, he was not. He was he, his uncle or something. <laughs> he was not acting. He was just saying lines. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, but anyway, I'm sorry. So yeah, so Doc is going to try to help him get out of his contract. And so uh, they meet. Doc meets with uh, Clyde, and basically being like, "Hey, I have this big business. I'm going to Miller Lite. Oh, was it Miller Lite? It was Miller. Yeah, okay, Miller Beer. And so he's like, "I'm going to buy Stroker out." Uh, you have until this date and this time. And Clyde's like, no, I can't do that. That's too soon. I'll give you until the date of the last race at the end of the last race. And so uh, Doc's like, okay, sure. You know, I'll wait that long. And they're all together. They're like, oh, no, that's the end of the race. That's the last race. What are we going to do? And Clyde comes out and he's like, hey, guess what, Stroker? I'll let you get out of the contract, but you have to throw the race. Yeah, he says, if you win this race, you're going to be too valuable a commodity for me to let go. I'm going to have to keep you. Yeah. But if you, if you lose this race, I'll let you go. But to go back to the point where, so Doc goes out of his way to help Stroker. He does the best he can, and Stroker's like, you fucking idiot. You fucked me. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, it's like, and Doc is like, I did the best I could. It's like, so even his best friend from childhood who tried to help him out, he's like, well, guess what? You didn't help me out. Yeah. Screw you. And Doc, being a good friend, still tries to help Stroker because he sent his, cause, uh, he's, got a, he's got until 4 o'clock. The last race of the year, Clyde Torkel has to 4 o'clock. If he fires Stroker before 4 o'clock, that means they fired him during the year, and he's out of his contract. If he waits till after that, then the season is over, and he has he has ample time. He, he didn't fire him during the season. I guess that's a loophole. He sends his dad in there just to be, I know nothing. I am merely a messenger. <laughs> I am merely a messenger. I don't know nothing. <laughs> and he gets a, they even like have a scene where like he's practicing that line, <laughs> and it's all it's literally those two sentences. And he just messes it up. He's yeah. like, I don't, uh, I, I yes. He says I don't know. No, dad. It's, <laughs> yeah, I, no, it's, I know nothing. I'm only a messenger. 
Aw, son. <laughs> but he gets it. Uh, he gets so it. He comes in, and he just keeps saying that, and it, it fucks with Clyde's head. And so eventually, at the end of the race, uh, Strucker is behind by a few, and so Clyde's like, okay, I guess he's throwing it. And so he goes into the room where, like, all the big wigs are and stuff, and he's like, uh, Stroker's fired. I'm firing him. You know, he's gone. I don't want him out. I want him out of my sight. And at that point, Stroker's pulling ahead to win the race. And one of the- Yeah, because at this point, Aubrey James starts nudging his car. Yeah. He's like, come on, come on, come on. And Stroker's like, nope, screw it. We're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to win this goddamn race. And, and uh, you can't really make a race car driving that exciting on screen. <laughs> but he ends up, so Clyde fires him. He's out of his contract and he ends up winning the race. So this man, who has done despicable things and thinks nothing of, about nobody but himself, he wins the race, he gets out of his contract, and he gets the girl. So he gets all that for just being a terrible, terrible person. And then they ascend to heaven. Uh, uh, one thing I did enjoy was the blooper reel and the credits. They just don't do that anymore. No, they don't. That, and the guy who directed it was Hal Needleman. And he directed a lot of Burt's movies, especially the, the racing movies. Cannonball Run, I believe he directed either one or both of the first two, Smokey and the Bandits. And he's the reason he did this movie. Yeah. He said, I, 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 owed, I owed Hal. He goes, I told Hal. I, so he... Even though he, he doesn't play a good character in this movie, in real life, Burt Reynolds was a stand-up guy. He didn't have a written contract to do this movie. He just had a, he had a handshake, yeah. a word and a handshake. Yeah, I'll do this movie. And that's why he passed up Terms of Endearment, because he agreed to do this movie for a friend. I admire that. He made a totally wrong decision, but I admire that. The blooper reel is something that Hal Needleman came. And yes, it's a, it's a trademark. So Cannonball Run, Smoking the Bandit, you watch all those movies. You get the blooper reel at the end of the movie. I miss those. But he got the girl. He got the girl. In the movie and in real life. Yes. But how'd that work out? Not too well. How'd that work out, Bert, if you're listening? Uh, yeah, I read his autobiography. <laughs> if I'm remembering it correctly, he wasn't... He wasn't really interested in Lonnie Anderson, but she pursued him so, so hard that he gave in, something along those lines, and, and it just didn't work out for him. Sorry to hear that, bud. I am. I like Burt Reynolds, and I know he had a tough patch at the end of his life. Uh, but this was Stroker Ace. And like I said, this is going to be a shorter podcast. There's, there's nothing really to talk about. It's just a race car movie with little bits in between. And I think we've covered all the bits that were worth something. There is, we were talking about Bubba Smith. There is one scene where the car goes into the pit and the jacks broke! The jacks broke! So Bubba Smith, he comes in and he lifts up the car. Look! Hurry up, number 10's about to leave! Don't worry, we gotta beat him. The jacks broke! The jacks broke! Well, damn it, go buy one! Hello, Arnold. You do this often? Just wanna be able to win a team! Russ, we got a new jack man! <laughs> 
becomes the Jack? I don't remember that. You don't remember that? No. I must have looked away at that point. What do you, it, yeah, the Jack breaks, and Bubba Smith comes in. Was that in. at the end of the movie? Yeah, yeah, during the race. Okay, okay. And he comes in, and he just lifts up the car, and he's like, hey, Arthur, or whatever his name was. And Okay, so that's that's how he gets involved with the crew. That's how he okay. gets involved with the crew, because that, at the end of the movie, he's taking a picture yeah. with him. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. One of the funny lines that I did enjoy, which was just off a cuff, is Ned Beatty is talking to Bubba Smith. And Ned Beatty's like, you go down there and you get... That's why he's down in the pit. Because he's like... Ned Beatty goes, you get down there and you tell Stroker the minute he's done with that race, he comes up here. Bubba Smith is like, well, you know, he's going to be tired after the race. I don't think... He goes, think? I don't pay you to think, Alfred Einstein. Now let's get down there. (laughs) So, yes, Ned Beatty... Ned Beatty plays a good... He's one of these rich guy... Rich, classless guys. He's basically Colonel Sanders. The off-brand Colonel Sanders. He's the off-brand Colonel Sanders. And there's a joke in the movie where he says, yes, our sales matched the, the colonels. We even overtook him until a rash of uh, sympathy purchases came right after his death. Yeah. <laughs> Which one could only expect. Which would could expect. Stroke race. Final take. You said it was mesmerizing in a, in a bad movie way. Yeah. And so in, in my classification of watch versus waste... I had to give it a watch because it wasn't a waste. It, uh, there were again, it, it encapsulated me through the whole movie in that weird way of just like, where is this going? There were some good moments. There were some wholesome moments, uh, and so yeah, a watch. It's a watch to this. It's like this is where his career. I don't want to say ended, but skidded. No pun intended. Because up up to this point, Burt Reynolds was the number one box office draw five years in a row. That's crazy. He was not, he, and I don't think it's ever been done before or since. Wow. And this is the down. So if you want to see the beginning of the end, uh, this is a. This is it. This is it. This is the movie. I don't mind the movie. It's, like I said, there's a couple of cringy 80 scenes in there, but there's also a lot of off the cuff, funny stuff. Everybody knows everybody. I think that's something that Burt Reynolds had on his sets. He, he didn't want any confrontations on his sets. He wanted everybody to have a good time, and it comes out in the movie. So, Stroker Ace, that's it. So, uh, Sean, uh, tell us where you are, what you're doing, where can we find you? You can find everything I do on allmylinks.com slash Sean Penalber. Uh, but individually, you can find my music at Who to Thunk. I'm about to come out with my 80th album. I'm very excited for that. Uh, you can find my Instagram, The Art of Ceilings. Uh, you can find my website, drawbook.net. Uh, my podcasts, there are several, so I'm not going to name them all. But again, just check out the allmylinks.com slash and You can find everything there. All right, that's it. We want to thank everybody for listening, and we'll see everybody here next time on the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. See you later. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash scottwhite and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. This should help people find the podcast when they're searching. Uh, No matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Burt Reynolds and Charles Bronson podcast. Hey, boy, I need my mirror now. Dad, run, shine. Here comes Sigley. I've been waiting to nab him for a long time. He's definitely got a load of shine.
you boys better hold on, because I'm going to have to stand on it. He had a mean streak two feet wide. A son of a gun with a taste for fun and more than his share of pride. Take a dirt road curb with the devil's nerve, make a car dance across the mud. And haul and shine was his regular line till the track got in his blood. It was a real hot shot and he bragged a lot, but man, that fool could drive. Cause he loved the feel of the steering wheel and the girls with the bedroom eyes. And in a racing tide or a barroom fight, old Stroker stole the show. A backstretch blazer, a real hell razor, and a racetrack Romeo. has been a Cross the Streams Media Podcast.